welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for episode number 70. I am your host tonight. My name is Shorty and I have just one bean on the line. How's it going, Cracker? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? Um, pretty good. Can you just hang on a minute, Cracker? I'm just in the middle of a game. I'm playing Arena on my iPhone. Yep, yeah, yep. same here. Uh, <laughs> just there's, there's just always finishing up the game. Yeah, trying, yeah. trying. Anyway, that's all right. We'll, yep. we'll forge on. Uh, hot, hot news uh, off the press this morning for us. Yeah, woke up this morning to Arena being on iPhones <laughs> to <laughs> out, of, out of nowhere. So that very, was cool. very long time in the uh, the download process. Yes, there, yeah. <laughs> it, took, it took a couple of minutes or hour or so. It felt like to get the update, <laughs> but uh, you know, here we are. Yep. Here's what it is. So uh, we might touch on that or go into that a bit more maybe in some future episodes. But tonight mm-hmm. we're, we're just going to do normally our evergreen series uh, on this off week. But we're going to do a focused episode on the Caltime Championship that's coming up this weekend. So we're going to go through uh, the metagames. We've uh, we've been given the metagames by Wizards. We don't have the official submitted deck list by the players yet, but we've got enough to work on. We can go through some standard and historics. But before we get into that, Cracker, do you want to tell us about our sponsors? Absolutely. It is Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. They are a Facebook auction page where they run auctions nightly for physical magic cards. So you can pick up some great deals uh, with, yeah, cards going up all the time and premium auctions over the weekend. So you can get some really sweet like extended out cards and foils and, and some really old stuff as well if you're wanting to, you know, put some fetch lands or some vintage lands, like the original jewels in your commander deck or something like that. So check them out on, yeah, yep. Josh and Pat's and Facebook. Yep. Tell them the bean sent you. Absolutely. All right. So we mentioned it on the last episode that uh, this championship was coming up. So this is basically the equivalent of the pro tours that we, we used to get, but obviously... No more paper magic or no, no high-level paper magic at the moment. It's all getting played on Arena. And, uh, yeah, this is sort of the uh, all the people that have qualified through Arena and through various other means, Magic Online and, and being in the MPL and Rivals and that sort of stuff are all playing in this Kaldheim Championship. So we've got 211 players. And, yeah, they're playing uh, three days of Magic, so two days of Swiss rounds, uh, seven of Standard and eight of Historic uh, with a bit of each on each day and then the top eight is double elimination standard so pretty cool events we've seen these a few times before and the coverage is normally pretty good and uh, the, the gameplay is also very good and you, you know got a bunch of good commentators so uh, yeah they're, they're good fun definitely worthwhile tuning into but they kind of give us the the shaping of the metagame we've had how long ago was Caldheim released now uh, it's been a while. It's what, two months, uh, two maybe? Months, yeah, yeah be mm-hmm. thereabouts. So standard's kind of been, not solved, but fairly steady. Uh, we did see a banning. We saw a banning not that long ago, didn't we? No, not since Caldheim. No, that was modern and historic. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't remember. It's, it's too many bands. too hard to keep track of what's <laughs> going on. But standards seem to be in a pretty good place where there's no, there's nothing super oppressive Nothing people are complaining about too much uh, and a lot of diversity in the, the decks that are being played. And Historic just had uh, yeah, a big shake-up because, yeah, we did have the Uro ban not that long ago. Uh, and Correct. we've recently had the Historic Anthologies, number four, getting uh, put into the format. So, 
Yeah, I don't know how much of a shake up that had, but yeah, yeah it was a no, thing that, no. that <laughs> it's a thing that, that happened that occurred. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is when we get sort of our first chance to see what the pros are doing with the formats and they obviously put a ton of effort into this cuz uh, you know, there's there's a lot of money on the line, 250 grand uh, prize pool for for this event and then also for the rivals and MPL players there's uh, points up for grabs for their like ticket to stay in the leagues, I guess, so that they can continue being professional Magic players. Yeah, I think that's a, a really important part of this is it kind of shapes what things are going to look like for the next year or so as well. It gives them the first kind of uh, real go at, at where, you know, the the pro scene is. And and that's yep. something that, you know, would would often happen with the first big event of the year as well. You'd start to see who's going to, you know, in the old system, lock up like silver and gold and platinum and all those kinds of things. And uh, this gives us, yeah, the first look at, at what that's going to be for, for the next little while. So it's, it's quite interesting because there's quite a bit at stake. Yeah, absolutely, which is, yeah, that means that the players are, are really putting in a lot of effort and, and actually trying. <laughs> they're yeah, not just, yeah, uh, absolutely. you know, F- playing a random than- F- F&M where they're, <laughs> they can just play whatever deck they want. Yeah, a lot more it's than normal pretty important. where they're, they're testing with teams and things again. So it's it's always fun to see what, what they can come up with. Yeah, absolutely. So we might start off with Standard. Uh, if you've got the metagame breakdown there, you can just run everyone through what we've got, and then we can have a bit of a look at the decks. I do. So probably as no great surprise to anybody, uh, Sultai Ultimatum sitting on top with uh, 22% of the field uh, playing that deck. Um, it's, Which is I mean, not just, crazy numbers, but that's still fairly high. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not insane. It's certainly not some of the levels we've seen at different points. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely... Mm, it's not a no, it's not crazy for for a standard set right like we quite often see percentages in the mid 20s or what have you so um, yeah like yeah. we've seen in recent times like over 50% of the field for certain certain deck types in standard I'm, I'm pretty sure we have yeah yeah so 22% is this is probably back to what we would call a good <laughs> a good meta game really you've got yeah a good spread yeah definitely i think one of the things that the challenges here is that it's just it's another simic based deck <laughs> right and it has yeah, surprise, it surprise. Just feels like it's been on top for a very long time so even though it's not dominant in this format it's been dominant for so long that it, it's kind of just a continuation of that but yeah i mean that's just true of where magic has been for the last couple of years and that's yeah. followed up by the, the next um most played deck which is team or adventures uh, again, that's kind of just been a mainstay. The Adventures package really, ever since Eldraine first dropped, has just never left the very top of the metagame. You know, it's kind of gone out of favour a little bit at times, but there were always people who were doing really well with it. So, you know, at 17.5%, I mean, I'm not surprised to see that there. Uh, and then there's a couple of other still pretty good percentage-sized decks here. We've got Mono Red Aggro at 16.6%. Yep. The old favourite. And then a bit of a throwback here, Shorty. It's it's made a bit of a resurgence. Mm. Cycling. Yeah. Cycling is back at 10.4%. So the, the deck you were playing as we started this podcast. That is true. <laughs> that is true. The deck I just lost to was the next one underneath, which is Demir Rogues. Yeah, okay. Uh, they had all the counter spells. At, there's 8.1% of that. So, the, look, the numbers start to drop off pretty steeply from there. Modern White Agro, I guess, is, is pretty well represented as well at, at 7%. So- it's a pretty good mix in terms of you've got like a couple of big over the tip, over the top 
decks in like Teemer and Sultai. Yep. And then, you know, a couple of really aggressive decks in like mono red aggro cycling and obviously mono white aggro, aggro giving you the name of what's going to happen there. <laughs> and then kind of a Intent. like, yeah, uh, I guess Demir is your, the rogues deck can play like either a tempo game or more controlling game. It really depends on the build. We've seen a lot of different variations yeah. of that. So it will depend on um, the lists and what they look like. But um, interesting to see what comes from that. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, no no huge surprises. Uh, looking at the deck lists, apparently there are a few random off the wall combo decks. There's a, a Garuda combo deck and a few other random things, but you always get them at, at events of this size. And it's the same back when we had proper pro tours that were sort of 400 to 500 players. There was always a, a certain amount of the field that had the the off the wall decks, and they don't tend to do very well. That's why they're I mean, not. Uh, there's a, a single percentage. player playing the four color Garuda deck, so I yeah. Mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe they know something the rest of the room doesn't, but uh, mm. yeah, I don't and know. and you never know. Sometimes the a deck like that can fluke it, but. The numbers are certainly against them. It's, uh, it's unlikely that they're going to do very well. But, yeah, no no crazy huge percentages and a pretty good spread and, and a good mix of different styles of decks. Like, there's you could look at that list of decks that you just went through there and find something for any type of player uh, and also something for any budget. You know, you, you've got your mono reds and your cyclings that in paper and on arena are super cheap to build because yep. well, cycling especially, it's got... Hardly any I mean, it's just, the, it's just the lands, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, n- yeah. Now, now the sort of Jeskai proper Jeskai version is the lands, mm-hmm. but uh, mono white's not not too bad either. But yeah, then you've got your your Salto ultimatums that have got heaps of rares and mythics. So yeah, we might uh, we might have a look at the deck. So the Salto ultimatum deck, as you said, that's sort of a it's the oh, I don't even know what the term that I'm thinking of. It's 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 the the newer version of the Simic deck. Like as you said, we've seen. Simic with some other color in in some form or fashion for the last year and a half basically and and now we're on Saltai uh, and that's mostly thanks to Valky uh, slash Tibalt so the big change uh, once uh, Caldheim was released was getting access to some really powerful monocolored cards so we're now playing the reason why we're playing Saltai is for Emergent Ultimatum which is the the Saltai Ultimatum it's black black triple green blue blue and it search your library for up to three monocolored cards with different names and exile them, and then your opponent chooses one. That goes back in your library, and the other two you cast without paying their mana costs. So when that, that card's from Ikoria, that's come out a, a few sets ago, and there just wasn't really anything super powerful to be going and searching up for your library from your library. But Kaldheim gave us Alron's Epiphany, which is the seven mana, take an extra turn and create two birds. Mm-hmm. Gave us Valky, who on the front side is a black card, so it does count for monocolored. But the rules still allow you to cast your the ultimatum is allowing you to cast the card without playing its mana cost. So when you go to cast the card, you do still get the opportunity to cast the Tibalt side of it. So that's pretty good. <sighs> I <hate> well, <laughs> just, the inconsistencies of that drive me nuts. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, I did see uh, Reese lose to uh, to that, not realising that the recent change to the mm. uh, Cascade rules <laughs> didn't actually affect uh, how you how that sort of thing works. Uh, and then we also got Vorinclex. So Vorinclex is the uh, the Phyrexian Praetor that we've spoken about before that doubles up all your counters on things. So 
you're basically getting those cards and then you've got a bit of a toolbox of a few other things like extinction events sometimes you're playing the like kiara best the sea god the um the saga from a few sets ago but usually you're just emergent ultimating you're ramping up to it with cultivates and uh you know you're sort of fixing your mana with omens playing wolf willow havens as well to to ramp up Binding the old gods is a, a really good strong ad for uh, for this sort of deck. Uh, the the four mana saga that destroys a, a non land permanent on its first chapter and then goes and gets your land on its second. Uh, yeah, you basically ramp up to you can cast an, an emergent ultimatum and then you go and get an Alron's Epiphany, a Vorinclex, and a Valky, and you kind of put your opponent in a position where they have no good choices. It's whichever one you put back in their library, the other two that they cast are going to be really good. So. <laughs> You're just kind of stuck. Yep. And uh, I've had plenty of games against this deck in uh, playing Mono Red where you get them to one or two life and they cast an ultimatum and you just cannot win from there. <laughs> they, uh, you know, they they put down a Valky and ultimate it and exile all of your all of your graveyard and then just uh, cast all of your spells against you and yeah, you're in you're in a little bit of trouble. So. Obviously, playing a bit of blue as well, you've got some card draw in, in Behold the Multiverse, uh, which is another card from Kaldheim, a few counter spells, some removal in Heartless Act, and the uh, the Binding the Old Gods. And yeah, it's just a just a really solid, powerful deck that plays it's like it's mid-range, basically. It's just playing that mid-range, slow control deck and, and just taking over the game. So not surprising to see that being the highest percentage for these sorts of players who are very good players and and they like to play decks where there's a lot of choices and where their choices actually matter so that's salt eye anything you got to say on salt eye no i mean the list that we're looking at here the example is actually also a yorion deck it's worth mentioning because mm, yeah people were wondering yep. how we fit all these cards and ants because you're yeah, allowed 80 true. of them yep i didn't, didn't so, even tweak to that yeah so they, they look you're just getting access to all of the most powerful spells and flexible sideboard options so Again, like there, there is no great surprise here. If you look at, you know, there's a bunch of spicy one-offs uh, in the sideboard as well uh, that you could expect to see. So yeah, look, I mean, this strategy has been good and will continue to be good. It's you know uh, a solid mid-range deck that just has that go over the top card. It's just kind of a, a win more thing that that you actually need. Um, I do find it interesting that there's no Ugans anywhere to be seen in here. Mm. None on the sideboard. I mean, obviously, you can't fetch it with Emergent Ultimatum because yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I think it's that's a colourless card. It's not monocoloured. Um, so I guess that's the downside. But, I mean, I don't know. You would think that given how hard you're ramping, you could maybe make space for it. But, it, again, it maybe just doesn't line up well against what other people are doing. So Yeah, I guess, like, your opponents are siding in things like Disdainful Strokes and, and that sort of stuff against you and, and other counter spells. So... Even if you go, oh, I'll you know, I'll have a few Ugans in the sideboard. I'll bring them in for a slightly different plan, and it, it just doesn't matter. Like it's your opponent's sideboard plan is still going to be good against bringing in an Ugin. So, and I don't know how good it is. I mean, you know, obviously it wipes the board of of a lot of the creature decks, but you kind of don't really need to when you can search up the answers that you need anyway with your with your ultimatums. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so the next deck along the list uh, in terms of percentage of the field is the Teamer Adventures de- uh, decks, which there's a couple of different varieties. Uh, I know they did post in the article that some of the uh, some of the versions of Teamer Adventures are running Obosh, the Prey Piercer, as the uh, the companion, which obviously has um, some restrictions 
in uh, all your things being having to be odd converted mm-hmm. mana costs. So it cuts off things like sideboard counter spells and that sort of stuff uh, in in some cases. Uh, and then there's sort of the, just your regular adventures version that uh, that's not playing the Obosh that uh, op- sort of opens it up to a few more options. So do you want to take us through and just, I mean, we've seen adventures a million times, but is there anything, anything different we're seeing now? Uh, yeah, I guess then the non-Obosh versions, they're basically just straight up what you'd expect. It's like Lovestruck Beasts, Bone Crushers, Brazen Borrowers. The only thing that there's a couple of new cards, there's the Goldspan Dragon, um, which is seeing a fair bit of play in both mono red. You know, there's some versions of that kicking around with the big 4-4 Hasty Dragon in there. And also um, Alrun's Epiphany as well. So everyone's trying to take more turns here, Shorty. They're all <laughs> greedy with how many things they want to do. Who would play taking turns decks? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it t- it t- turns out it's been a powerful strategy to take extra turns since Time Walk was printed <laughs> yep. in Alpha. And it's uh, still true, even though it costs, you know, seven mana. It's yep. still just yeah, worthwhile you get two, doing. You get two birds and you can, you can get a discount if you foretell it. That's that's technically true and also not at the same time because no. it costs you two extra mana. Anyway, whatever. Um, look, yeah, uh, that's pretty straightforward. The the Obosh versions are a little bit different. Um, the the example list here we've got is including a coma, the Cosmos Serpent mm, okay. from Kaldheim, which um which is an interesting card. So trying to get around some of those counter magic that you're going to see for in to combat the um, ultimatum decks and things. So kind of hedging a little bit um, with with some different uh, plans of attack. So, yeah, interesting choices there. But, I mean, the core package is still the same. It's Innkeeper, yeah. Lustrak Beast, Borrowers, Bone Crushers. I mean, Bone Crusher Giant is the most played non-basic um, card in this whole event. Yeah, um, non-land look, card. I mean, that's just not a surprise to anybody. That that has just been true since it was printed. It's just, it does everything. Yep. Turns uh, out two spells the, on uh, one card is a, is a bit overpowered. <laughs> yep. Probably the first cards I crafted from Throne of Eldraine, I reckon, <laughs> as soon as they yeah, came it was up, Yeah, up there for me as well. Um, <laughs> yep. And just kind of haven't stopped playing that in <laughs> most yeah, decks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, that, I guess it's it's a, a real engine, and if it is left unchecked, um, it will just outvalue a lot of things. We've, we've seen it time and time again, you know, that you can stabilise against the aggressive decks quite effectively. I mean, yeah, just the, the like, great hinge. Yeah, but even just going like Heart's Desire into Lovestruck Beast and just making a 1-1 one, one and a 5-5, five, five, if you've got, you know, a couple of those sitting around, then all of a sudden Mono Red is just, they brick walled so quickly because it's so hard to just deal with that size body um, yep. early on. And then you just kind of, you know, spend a couple of turns pulling ahead and then, yeah, you've just got a couple of, like you said, the hinge to just start drawing cards and then Alrun's Epiphany to just kind of really dominate the the later game so yeah yep. expect this will do well yeah so sort of continuing down the list so we've got mono red aggro which we've seen pretty much the same list for quite a long time now and i've i've if you've been watching me stream at all you see me stream a lot of mono red because i love just uh playing little fast red dudes and burning people's yeah, faces. It's good. it's good good fun. Uh, about the only change we see with Kaldheim is the introduction, introduction of uh, snow-covered mountains, so snow-covered lands, so you can run Faceless Haven, which is amazing. Uh, being yeah, able to play the Faceless Haven on turn three and then play your fourth land on turn four is really good when your opponent is wiping the board. Uh, it just means, yep, okay, you wiped, wiped the board of my couple of 1-1 dudes. 
uh, I'm still going to hit you for four with my faithless, faceless haven. So big addition there. Uh, and then frostbite. Uh, yeah, people adopting frostbite, seeing as you're running the snowlands, just being able to, for one mana, uh, take out a blocker or potentially a planeswalker on, on occasion, although planeswalkers aren't really a big thing at the moment, is uh, is pretty good and, and certainly an upgrade from shock. It, it is a little bit annoying not being able to shoot it to the face, but still does pretty well. Uh, next one on the list is cycling, which is something you've played quite a lot of, but has, have you been updating anything in the list or anything, uh, any changes in these no, lists? No, I'm, I'm just looking at this one. Um, I mean, there's a couple of different things. We're shorty, shorty. No, Chewy. Sorry, <laughs> I'm tired. Uh, Chewy was playing the the Jeskai version on stream, um, but I, I don't know how much I love that. I don't know that I love the mana base you get with it. That's just a, a personal thing. Um, yeah, I mean, like I've played against it a fair bit on the ladder, and yeah, the the versions, the previous versions were basically just white red, and you mm-hmm. you like you were playing blue cards, but you didn't play any blue lands. It was just Correct. straight up cycling. Whereas with the mana, uh, with the lands that we got finishing off the uh, the pathway cycle and all that in Kaldheim, it means you can actually play actual Jeskai. And the big change that that's allowed is to playing main deck Improbable Alliances. Mm-hmm. And that card is a pain in the backside. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the early, you know, Valiant Rescuer followed up by a bunch of cycling has always been a really strong B plan for yep. the, um, the cycling, the Boros cycling version. Uh, and, you know, this is just in some ways a better version of that. I mean, it's harder to yeah. cast, but it's also harder to get rid of. It's an enchantment as opposed to a 3-1, which dies to literally everything. Yeah. So, yep. it's, um yeah, there's definitely some real some real pros in that. And obviously, then you get access to, like, negates and some other things. And uh, I know Chewy has managed to turn his <laughs> foxes from 1-1s with plus-1, one, plus-1 one counters into, like, 4-4s with plus-1, one, plus-1 one counters with starting development. He's a big fan yeah, of Yeah, yeah ambushing people like that and just you just get them out of nowhere yep so they will forget you um, can actually cast that card yeah you can which has always been a, an interesting option to, to mm. have access to uh, yep so yeah look it's it's kind of still a one trick pony yeah it is you y- you have a little more versatility obviously in this way but there's going long isn't really a thing i mean you like going long is fine when you've got zenith flares to finish off the game but sure yeah i guess the the big change is Actually having proper blue mana in the deck just means your sideboard is a bit more diverse and has, gives you more options. So having access to counter spells in the side is is just such a big change that whereas previously it was, you know, you were limited to white and red cards and you kind of couldn't, you couldn't dilute your deck too much because then your deck just didn't function. Whereas having improbable alliances and not having to rely quite as much on keeping certain creatures on the field and then cycling while they're on the field is is a little bit better it's a lot harder to remove an enchantment than it is for a, a creature so a bit more uh a bit more reliable now this deck and yeah like like i said not not as much of a one-trick pony but still it's doing the same thing and, and hasn't changed that much yeah correct yep uh demir rogues is the next one which yeah i don't think has really changed at all nope didn't get anything new it turns no. out it was just a bunch of really good cards still um, yep. it's it's fallen off a little bit. I, I have played it. I was playing it through our league, and um, it's it does struggle in just one for oneing people. It it feels like for a while there that was a valid plan, um, but I'm not so sure that you can just get away with doing that anymore. 
and cards like Faceless Haven just make it really hard. You can't counter that, and <laughs> it hits really hard. So yeah, uh, it uh, look it can be built kind of to to take advantage of of any given metagame. I think if you know what to expect, then you can probably tweak your deck accordingly. But I mean, as we've just talked about, you're running the range here, and I, I wonder whether it might just be stretched a little thin. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like I'm looking through the the sample list we've got here and the only new cards are two crippling fear in the sideboard. That's it. So yep. that's that's often a, a sign that a deck is just probably not going to be good enough when when you're not picking up many new cards. Uh whereas, you know, all the all the other decks are, are getting all the new technology. It's um yeah, it's it's not usually where you want to be. You want to be sort of keeping up and keeping in front of of the metagame. Uh, a deck that basically didn't exist before Kaldheim came out, though, is Mono White Aggro, which is uh, another deck that's making the most of Snowlands and Faceless Haven. So have you got the list for that one? Uh, I do, yeah. So, look, it's the other card that it got is um, the Luminarch Aspirant. It's quite a good pickup where you can start putting um, plus one, plus one counters on creatures you control so you can grow your team. I've had um, that for a little while. That was from Zendikar. Was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, yep. Halvar is pretty good. Um, yep. Either as Halvar the, and Redain. Uh, yep. Uh, as either the equipment or as the um, the god themselves. Uh, and then, yeah, just look, it's it's kind of more of the same. You've got, you know, like Season Hallow Blade and Alcide and Selfless Saviour. So you're kind of just looking to sort of stack up. There's, there's quite a few... Um, equipment in this deck you know more of the skyclaves and shadow spear and things so it's been a little while since we've seen a decent um equipment deck and that usually has existed in the mono white or boros space so it's, it's good to see that sort of coming back around as a, a viable option with all these like protection creatures that you've got going on yeah and it's kind of similar to mono red where it's it's a creature deck and so it always suffered against board wipes where you lose lose your all your little aggressive dudes that you've been bashing their face with and you're kind of stuck with no cards left in your hand and faceless haven just kind of fixes that problem so mm-hmm. you, you've still got something to to keep putting pressure on them and you know you, you can <laughs> potentially i've seen it people equipping more of the skyclaves to their faceless havens and uh I mean, killing people a lot of really matter quick. but it is but <laughs> when, you, when you're talking late a game a lot of, <laughs> lot of damage uh, yeah yep, the, the, the challenge with with this style of deck is you're sideboard is obviously severely hampered yes so yeah it's kind of just like i can get a little bigger which is okay against maybe like mono red or something or you can you know try and get a little wider and more aggressive but it's it's tricky so uh, yeah i'll be interested to see how it does for sure yeah and uh, then we've got a couple of the the naya adventures decks there seems to be a few different versions of these getting around but this this deck kind of came out like when uh when Kaldheim first came out all of a sudden this was the new big deck uh and people were like you know this this is this is really powerful it's doing really well and it was basically the the same adventure package your innkeepers your love struck beast bone crusher giants all that sort of stuff playing the the goldsman dragon from the new set uh and then playing four showdown of the scolds the the four mana boros saga that is like a, a another uh, card advantage engine so you you're getting card advantage from your edge wall innkeeper and your adventures package and then also having the the showdown to draw a bunch of cards and then put a bunch of counters on your dude so it was really good for a while and then people just kind of realized that 
the teamer version was actually just better and the showdown probably wasn't as powerful as as people thought so obviously there's still people playing it and and it still can be really strong but i yeah i, I don't see this being quite as powerful as the uh, the teamer version uh, we'll, yeah, we'll have to see. Have to have to agree there. I mean, like hitting a showdown and then flipping like a dragon or two off the top of it and having like a bunch of spells you can't cast is pretty feels bad. So yeah, look, it, there's a lot to be gained here. You know, like it, when it comes together, the deck just runs away with games really quickly. But um, yeah, you also lose the you know some of your interaction because you're not yep. you don't have access to any counter magic and things like that. Yeah. There's also some of the versions of running like the combo with the Goldspan Dragon and Unleash the Fury, which is a two-mana instant that doubles the power of a creature. Uh, so it works pretty well. You attack with your dragon, you get the the treasure, which gives you two mana. You can double its power. Also running Sajiri Shelter, which is the two-mana protection spell. So same thing works really well with the Goldspan Dragon. Uh, and then just randomly playing Kazul's Fury, which is the uh, the fling, <laughs> the three-mana fling that's also <laughs> double-faced as a land. So, yep, double the power of your Goldspan Dragon. Attack, double the, dra- the power of your Goldspan Dragon, hit for eight, and then fling it at their face. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting way to win, but uh, probably not your... your a plan, plan A. <laughs> it just feels going pretty for. cheesy. It <laughs> yeah. really does. But, uh, yep. you know. Yep. So, yeah, a couple of other decks. We've got, like, the Gruel Adventures, which nothing's really changed in that. And then we we're, people are running the Doom Foretold decks again, which we've seen, like, Abzan and Esper Doom Foretolds for quite a while. Now they're running four-colour, uh, so they can play all the Esper stuff, but also play Binding the Old Gods. So yeah, it's just a bunch of bunch of enchantments and sagas and, and things like that. So yeah, and and Yorion as well. Look, yeah. binding is yep. is a really strong card. Oh yeah, and you know like uh, the the black also opens you up to you know a couple of other things. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. There's there's eliminate and a couple of other things there as well. But um, I don't know, man. I don't know about this. Just like so, what's yeah. <laughs> before we move on to historic? What would you be playing in this meta game? You'd just be running back your cycling, mm, probably. But I don't know that I'd be thrilled about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's it's tough. Like, I mean, you and I have both played a fair bit of that, and sometimes yeah. the deck just feels like I can't lose, and then yeah, yeah. other times you just can't buy a game. So yeah. I don't know, man. Like it's it's tricky. I, I'm not sure. Uh, the, the mono red deck, I think, is actually really well positioned. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if that does really well. Yeah. I imagine that's what you'd be jamming. Yeah, I'd I'd be jamming mono red. I mean, obviously, got a lot of practice with it, so mm-hmm. know know how to play that deck. But yeah, if people are trying to salt eye ultimatum, you just you want to be super fast and just get in before they can stabilize and finish them off. And then you do have some decent sideboard options that uh, that deal with the ultimatums. Uh, in I've completely blanked on what that card's called. The uh, the enchant roiling vortex. That's the one where people can't cast spells where they've paid no mana for them. Works mm-hmm. works pretty good against ultimatums. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I think I'd be I'd be going with. But yeah, I, d- I don't know. It's with a field like this with the the top players. I think they're they're going to be better off playing the ultimatum and adventure decks that have a lot of play to them where there's a lot of a lot of decision trees and areas where they're uh they're much better playing than me is uh i I always find that 
that like I understand that with like a pro in a GP, that's true. Yeah. But if you're a pro against a bunch of other pros, like how much is the skill gap there compared to like like PV sitting down to play us, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or whatever. But but like PV sitting down to play against like Brad Nelson or someone like that. Like the the skill gap yeah, is there's not- no skill gap. I mean, there, there may be well, some, but if you're talking some. about, like, you know, single percentage points or, or yeah. not even, right? So, like, I understand that they always want to feel like they have the most control and the most agency over what's going on. But at the same time, if you can't leverage a skill massively, then I don't know. I, I always yeah. find that that argument really interesting in these really small fields. And that's, that's what this is. Like, this is a really small field. Everyone here can play. Yeah, yeah. I mean- there's 211, to play, 211 players, I think, like, there's, what, 70, I think, in total between rivals and the MPL. Yeah, so that's true. The rest, the rest are, you know, there's going to be a lot of really good players, and they've obviously got to had to have done well to get there. But there's also people who just fluked it and, you know, won, won a, yeah. or a got, got there through qualifying through random means and whatever, or, or playing pauper on, <laughs> on Magic Online and different <laughs> things like that. So you get people can qualify in a bunch of different ways. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of really highly skilled players, but there's also going to be I don't know maybe fifty <laughs> fifty or so that are probably not that much better than you and I, Cracker. <laughs> they just play Magic more. <laughs> they just play more than us. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> anyway, before I uh, offend <laughs> people out there, let's move on to the historic meta game. So do you want to run us through what we're looking at there? Yeah. John Sacrifice, 31.3%. Cat Oven Dex. Yes. Uh, your personal favourite. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of interesting interesting ones in here. Ores of Auras at 14.7%. Yeah, yeah like, we were saying before the cast, is like, whoa, that's surprising. Kind of. I mean, we, we did talk about this a fair bit when um, like Core Spirit Dancer was introduced. And we were saying that that kind of gave you the the additional copies along with SRAM to really churn through your deck. So, yeah, interesting. Um, Azorius Control at 8.5%. Gruul Aggro at 5.2%. And then things fall off pretty quickly from there. So, you've got Abzan Midrange, Saltai Ultimatum, Goblins, and Bant Midrange all at 3.8%. Elves, Boros Cycling, Mono Red all in like the 2.8-2.4%. And then a pile of others. Where there's like, if you scroll down the list, there's a lot of people on like one offs. Yeah. Which is. Yeah, a whole bunch of different decks. Yeah. En- interesting. En- en- enigmatic Incarnation deck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you remember what that is. Nope. <laughs> I do, like actually. The, it's, it's the, the pod it's, for enchantments, I think. Yeah, it is. is that yeah. That one? In, your, in, in your end step, you, you sacrifice it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I watched Chewy play some of that recently in Standard. Um, yeah. He had a miserable experience. <laughs> he, did, he did not enjoy that at all. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, look, I, I appreciate the one person here repping mono blue tempo. Oh, yeah. Get him, get him dead with those Tempest Gens. Let's go. <laughs> uh, this is a pretty heavily stacked top end here. Ooh, 31.3% yeah. for cat oven decks. It's, ba- it's more than double the next yep. archetype. So thirty-one point three to fourteen point seven. So, yeah, that's that's a bit more. I guess that's probably a bit more common, and it's more of what you see when there is one deck that people obviously think is is the better deck. Uh, and from what I, what I've been hearing this week, uh, I think <laughs> most people think that Chun Sacrifice is 
is the best deck, and uh, I would not at all be surprised to see a Cauldron Familiar ban incoming in the next, I don't know, month or so. I think the one of the reasons why they banned it out of standard was just the horrible, miserable gameplay, uh, which it is on, on mm-hmm. Arena, and that, that comes from somebody who really enjoys playing this deck and has played a hell of a lot of it. It's just not not fun to watch, uh, and it's not fun to play, and it's not fun to play against. And uh, yeah, if if it's the best deck, then I think yeah, I would not be surprised to see them taking action on it. So, is there anything in this list that we're seeing that's out of the ordinary? I'm looking at it, and we've got it's all just the the usual suspects: your your cats, your ovens, claim the firstborns, woe striders, mayhem devils. Mm-hmm. That's priests of the forgotten gods. That's sort of the the base of of that deck it was the same base that we had in standard and then you're adding into it scrap heaps grounder it's a good target to sacrifice it's pretty easy to bring back from your graveyard yep binding of the old gods as well now yeah yeah yep uh some versions are running collected company which we've seen uh some are not some are running trail of crumbs instead i i haven't played a collected company version i would lean towards playing trail of crumbs i just think Long I feel term. like you've got a lot of whiffs with a Coco version. Though. Yeah, yeah. And and it's like Coco, you really want to be hitting creatures that have like enter the battlefield triggers and, and that sort of stuff as well, like to really get you, yeah, maximize your value. And you can't, you pay four mana and you put into play a, a cat and a priest of the forgotten gods and it's like, eh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was about cool. to say, you really want to maximize <laughs> on your, your, um, mana gain as well you want to be putting in like two three mana spells or a three mana and a two mana but there's there's kind of like just mayhem devils in that three mana slot for the most part right so yeah yeah you want to be putting in like two love struck beasts so you're getting 10 power and toughness onto the field so yeah i I was never a huge fan of that and looking at uh at what wizards have said without seeing the actual lists there's of that 66 56 of them were trail of crumbs and goose decks and uh, 10 of them are the Coco Dreadhorde Butcher decks. So uh, I would be leaning towards the Trailer Crumbs list, and uh, I think that's that's probably where you want to be. But the other big thing you get in uh, Historic for the Cat decks is access to Thoughtseize, which obviously we didn't have in Standard, and, yeah, that goes uh, a very long way to taking out uh, opposing problems. Turns out so. the best discard spell ever is, in fact, still just the best discard <laughs> spell ever. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, look, n- n- no surprise. Um, oh, yeah, and don't forget Phyrexian Tower, which has been kicking around for yes, a little while. Yes, yes. That's, um, that's another huge upgrade over the, the standard versions as well. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, slight, slightly better. And it's the same, you know, if, every time you go back to an older format, you get better mana. You know, you've got, mm-hmm. got access to the pathways and the shock lands and... All that sort of stuff, as as well as like dragon skull summits and things. So, yeah, the the further back you go, the more sets you've got access to, the better mana you're going to have because there's there's more lands. So, turns out it's pretty easy to play three colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ores of auras list. Uh, I don't know if we've actually got a list here. I'm just looking at one. No, on, I can't see on one. another site. Uh, but yeah, it's as uh, as you said, uh, we've seen this deck before in historic uh i've played this deck in historic i've played this deck in pioneer <laughs> mm-hmm. that's well that's where it was and first right yeah we yeah, just well, kind of ported it forward yeah, it was a ken ken yukihiro and the uh the what was it the pioneer pro tour where uh what was that stupid deck with the exile your whole library and yeah 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 uh yep, the that one. um yep 
It was the Thassa's Oracle combo. <laughs> yeah, Thassa's Oracle and whatever that creature was that, uh, that exiled uh, you. Phyrexian Ingester mm, or something, something like that. <laughs> anyway, whatever. it's completely irrelevant to this. Because it's banned. But yeah, we spoke about when uh, SRAM got put into Historic, when we got, is that Kaladesh Remastered? Mm-hmm. That's the set that that was from. When that got put in, into Historic, we talked about it uh, on the cast that we now basically had the the Pioneer deck in standard, but even better because Pioneer didn't have Core Spirit Dancer. Uh, that's that's a modern card, and, and it wasn't in Pioneer. So not surprising that that deck is good, but I I mean, I haven't played a ton of Historic lately. Have, have you? Probably no, not. I haven't, no. Uh, so I, I haven't seen, I, I haven't even heard of people playing, playing this deck. So it might be that we just completely missed it and we had no idea. But yeah, it, it's... It could be a good deck for going against Jun's Sacrifice, and that might be why we're seeing it as the uh, the second most played card, uh, second most played deck. Um, being able to give your creatures flying with Angelic Gift and then protect them with your various means of protection between your Selfless Saviors, your Sajiri Shelters, and whatever else you've got uh, is a good way of going over... A uh, over a cat. <laughs> How do you beat from a priest of forgotten gods, though? Because these yeah. things tend to not play very many creatures at once. You're looking to just kind of suit up and then go. Yeah. I suppose there's yeah. probably like Alcide and stuff like that. There's usually a couple of like throwaway creatures that you could have yeah. access to. You're also playing the cartouche of solidarity. Solidarity. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Solidarity. Yep. Well, that's a hard word to say. Uh, which is a single white mana enchantment that when it enters a battlefield, you create a 1-1 warrior creature token with Vigilance, and it gives your creature plus one, plus one on a first strike. So it's you're playing four of them, and that just gives you fodder for for the priest. So I don't think it's too hard to, to sort of play around the priest. Uh, and you've also, you know, you're playing four Thoughtseize in the main deck, so True. You've, you can uh, always just take it out of their hand if you, if you think it's going to be a problem. So... Will be interesting to see how that deck goes because I'm tipping that's that would be a direct response to something like like Jun Sacrifice and it, it may just be the answer that uh, that people needed for it. So next deck is uh, good old boring as Azorius Control. Oh man, this list makes me just <laughs> want to vomit. And we're done. <laughs> it's wind it's conditions. It's got four are Teferis. Teferi. <laughs> I suppose there's some sharks. You can technically, you can, yeah. It's it's here at Dominaria, so you get to win by tucking to fairy and decking your opponent. Mm. Um, Good times. It's it's picked up in recent times, both Doomscar and like OG Wrath of God. So like it's it's got some good tools, um, and like Shark Typhoon is another way. But it's basically just yeah removal and counter spells. That's it. Yep. Nothing exciting there. Takes a no. long time to win and uh, yep. takes a long time to lose, so just just boring. Yeah, it's not how I want to play Magic. <laughs> no. <laughs> Next. Moving on. So we've got Gruel Aggro, which Gruel Aggro's been around for ages. Uh, yeah, it's it's not that different to the standard versions, but you do have cards like Burning Tree Emissary, which yep. uh, can lead to some pretty aggressive draws. There's also the Voltaic Brawler, which is the energy dude uh, mm-hmm. that comes in gives you energy and you can pump it uh, which c- works conveniently well with burning tree emissary because uh its mana cost is red green so uh yeah it's just quick aggressive and uh get them get them dead 
And just cleave. They're also playing yep. Coco in this list as well, which yep. is an interesting yep. point. So, not, not and this surprising. is a sort of deck where Coco is legitimately good. They're playing like, you know, 32 creatures. You've basically got Collected Companies and Ember Cleaves as your only misses, except yep. for lands, obviously. But like, that's kind of where you need to be, I think, for this, for that card to be at its best. Yep. Also playing four main deck scavenging ooze, which uh, works pretty well against cats uh most of the time sometimes it can get a bit awkward depending on the uh the am- amount of food they have available at the time when you're trying to exile it but mm-hmm. if a uh, a savvy jund cat sacrifice player will uh, will be able to play around it but there's definitely times when you can you can get rid of it and foil their plans yeah particularly if you can like you know surprise coco into it or something like that and have a cool yeah yeah yep. floating you can maybe catch them unawares but that's a lot of mana for this deck to be holding up. You don't really want to be sitting around with five mana just going, oh, I'm going to eat this cat. You're probably in a yeah. bad spot already. Yep. Got Abzan, Midrange, Saltai Ultimatum. You can probably sort of lump those two decks together. Uh, one thing I did here with the Saltai Ultimatum deck, which obviously is pretty similar to what we've seen in Standard, uh, just with a few extra cards. Mm-hmm is apparently i can't remember what event it was but there was an event very recently maybe it was the league weekend or something like that i don't know but there was it the soul tie deck went 26 oh sorry went 0 and 26 <laughs> for matches like it, it did not win a, a single game the, its win percentage was wow. zero <laughs> so i don't okay. know what to make of that <laughs> <laughs> I, Obviously, I still eight people n- think it's very good, but I didn't think Nissa decks could lose that bad. It's it's playing Nissa and Nissa and Growth Spiral, man. Like, yeah, know? yep. Okay, yeah. I mean, like the list we're looking at here is pay- playing a ton of one of. So it's it's just the about the only card you've got four explores for ramp and four four languish for your board wipe, four emergent ultimatums, and everything else is basically just one offs. <laughs> Uh, and a couple of other uh, ramp spells here and there, but you're mm-hmm. just searching up the thing you need off of your ultimatums, and uh, and that's kind of it. So interesting list, uh, but yeah, it is surprising. Like a, a Nissa Growth Spiral ramp deck to uh, to have such a poor record is is interesting. So we'll have to see yeah. how that goes. There might be some new hot technology. Maybe, maybe we, uh, we don't know. Uh, the next one down the list, which s- surprised me the most, Goblins, down to 3.8%, only eight people playing Goblins. This went from, like, the top Muxus deck. needed banning. Yeah, me, me complaining about Muxus every two minutes because I hated yep. that card. <clears throat> uh, by the way, Muxus still should be banned. It's a stupid oh, yeah, card. Definitely. It's, it's <laughs> definitely overpowered. But, um, yeah, I guess but people it's, learned it's how to play against it or? Yeah. I mean, we saw it... The I think it was a previous championship where Autumn Burchett ended up in the finals against I can't remember the guy's name from uh, the Irish dude I think he was, mm-hmm. and he was on uh, Azorius Control and yeah just had completely had the Goblins number, uh, and that was kind of the last time we saw Goblins be a big power in the uh, in the, the meta game well, so even then yeah goblins like wasn't, nothing's nothing's changed no, but in the goblins deck. wasn't even super represented there it was just that autumn did particularly well that weekend for memory yeah yep but yeah i'm, I'm looking at the list and there is nothing new i don't think and nothing has changed it's just the same same goblins we got 36 creatures and 24 lands 
And a few non-creatures in the sideboard, but not very many of them. Uh, and yeah, Goblins does the, the same thing Goblins does. So you have those games where they just hit that super early Muxus and put a million power on the board. And then other games where you you know control the board a little bit, kill their Goblins, and uh, yeah, you just kind of don't really worry about what they're doing because uh, it's just not matching up with the power of what you're doing. So will be interesting to see how Goblins go. The rest of the decks on that list, anything we want to talk about there? There's, there's Elves. Yeah, so look, we, we talked about this being an option now where Elves might start to make its its presence felt in the metagame. You know, with the black being added in, it gives you kind of a few different options to to stretch out a little bit. But look, Imperious Perfect is a, is a powerful effect, you know, just being able to pump out 1-1s that are actually 2-2s because it's, you know, yeah. giving all your elves plus 1, plus 1. So, yep. look, and it's another good Collected Company deck. That's one of the things that Elves is- or has done since Collected Company was was printed is, you know, you um you just get to do that instant speed thing. And if it's left unchecked, um, Alice or a Shepherd just makes <laughs> all your elves into dinosaurs somehow. Yep. So that's a pretty good overrun kind of thing. So, look, yeah. I mean, obviously it's not massively represented. It's, it's cool to see. I don't know how well it will do. Um, one of the things that I did think was interesting is we talked about with the historic anthology four that just came out, um, was the introduction of the, now I can't find it in, in cycling, um, the flame blade adept. Yep. And it seems like that's, that's maybe done enough in conjunction with, uh, hollowed one to, to put that as an option available. So, look, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm interested in that because I enjoy cycling, it's still very much a one-trick pony, um, but it might just be able to get in underneath things. Um, I'll be interested to see if that kind of makes the difference. Yeah, and then, yeah, rounding off the list, Mono Red Burn, the uh, the old faith, faithful Wizards package, Gitu Lava Runners, Wizards Lightning, that sort of thing. Yeah, played played that a ton, so mm-hmm. brings back a lot of lot of good memories. And then, like I said, there's there's a ton of just random, you know, we've got Neo Storms, we've got five-color Niv-Mizzets, Nine, Nine lives. lives. <laughs> we both looked at the same one, yep. Uh, looks like there's a Demir gift, so I'm assuming that's God Pharaoh's gift deck and an Orzov gift deck, so Kethis a bunch of different combo. things. Yep, that's probably BBD. He's, uh, <laughs> I think that's his, his fallback from, for Historic when he doesn't know what to play. Uh, the one I'm surprised that we're not seeing more of is the Selesnia Angels deck that, uh, that's been doing really well where... Uh, he just uh, Coco into a couple of different angels and just gain a ton of life. It's uh, pretty hard to deal with, but obviously it's not uh, strong enough. I did see some of the lists we were looking at playing uh, main deck graph diggers cages and things like that as well, and then there's, there's quite a few of them in the sideboard, so maybe people thought it just wasn't good enough or, uh, yeah, they just went, Jun Sack is where, where you want to be. So still yeah, a pretty, pretty diverse metagame, but... Fairly top heavy, I guess. Yeah, it's it's tricky, right? Like as as a format gets older, in quotes, or has a larger card pool, then you do tend to see a greater um, variance, uh, and that's what you want, right? Like it should be that way, where you've got more archetypes and decks represented. But you know, clearly, we're still really, really top heavy here with with the Jund sacrifice package. So I will be interested to see if. If it does kind of even remotely well, which it should just by the the volume of people playing it, then 
perhaps there'd be something coming. But I mean, I'm also whatever. Like if they want to leave it for a little while, we've got <laughs> Strixhaven around the corner and stuff. You know, yeah. they're, they're introducing things all the time. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. They've they've literally just you know shaken everything up with banning Uro and some other stuff. So maybe that that was the most obvious next home. In, yeah. In you know. People had a lot of reps with it already, and and there wasn't a huge amount of time to understand what was going on. So maybe it's just kind of a default position. It's actually not like as busted as it seems by the numbers here. But I mean, we'll find out. Yep. So what would you be playing this weekend? Uh, I actually like the Auras deck. I think yeah. that the um that like thought sees into like just difficult to deal with threats, and you draw a lot of cards, and you you just have a lot of protection. Uh, I, I think I'd be in for that myself. What about you? Yeah. What about you? I mean, I I would play. I would like to play Jun Sacrifice uh, just because I like the deck, and I think there is that potential that it, something's going to get banned. Probably the cat. So it'd be nice to to play it and finish it off. But uh, I think if if I knew that that's how the metagame was going to look, I think I would be inclined to be playing the Auras deck as well. I I, I just yeah, I think it's going to have a good good matchup against a lot of those top decks uh, that we're seeing and, uh, yeah, probably a pretty good matchup against Jun Sacrifice. So we could be completely wrong. That may not be how it plays out. I, I have no idea. We've certainly been wrong in the past. We're, no, have we're we? wrong most of the time. So <laughs> why do people listen to us again? No, it's we're entertaining. Still, still don't know. <laughs> sure we are. <laughs> Something. <laughs> So, yeah, that's um, that's going to do us for tonight. Hopefully that's going to give you enough of a rundown on uh, on what to expect this weekend. They will release the deck lists after the first round, I believe, on the Friday, which for us here in Australia, that's like super early Saturday morning uh, that the, the tournament will be kicking off. So by the time you wake up on Saturday morning, you should have access to all the deck lists. And, uh, yeah, then you can watch the, the replays that they'll be putting on through the rest of the weekend. I think I'll be trying to sort of have it on in the background or at least be listening to the audio component of it probably while I'm doing stuff around the house. So should be good. And then, uh, yeah, probably on next week's podcast we can have a chat about how things played out and, yeah, how wrong we were about uh, which decks were good and which decks were bad. So sound like a plan, Cracker? Absolutely. Very good. All right. Well, uh, yeah, usual housekeeping stuff. So, uh, yeah, come and join us in our Discord so you can get in on all the awesome events and things that we do. Uh, the link for that is in the show note. As always, uh, you can show us some support by picking up some sweet Magic Beans gear from our merch store. Go and check out our sponsors, as Cracker mentioned at the start of the podcast, Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar on Facebook. Join the auction group and pick yourself up some bargains. You can find us on YouTube, Twitch, uh, Twitter, and Facebook, all of those places. Just search for Magic Beans Podcast or Magic Beans Cast, and you'll find us there. I'm on Twitter at Peace Inc. Cracker, you are? At Joel Hill underscore. I actually uh, called you Cracker and didn't call you Chewy. I'm uh, I'm getting better, sort of. Maybe. I mean, I might have done that once tonight, but anyway. (laughs) All right. So that's it from us. Uh, Thank you, as always, for listening. Stay safe out there, and we will see you all next time.